Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? This is Matt Johnson. We're back again with a fantastic conversation with a first-time agency owner, and we've got a bunch of stuff to get into. This is a really interesting conversation uh, because we're talking about kind of a new business model that they are experimenting with, and uh, there's a lot to learn here. So uh, I'm joined by Dave Feynman. He is the co-founder of both Viral Ideas Marketing, which is a high-end video production service, as well as a new platform called Flixation, which is an on-demand video editing platform, which serves a lot of other agencies, uh, SaaS companies, manufacturers, franchises, stuff like that. So point being, um, Dave and his partner, Zach, went on a very similar journey from what I've been on in terms of starting and consulting, looking at what their clients needed, narrowing that down and turning it into a productized service. And then now they're also getting into this kind of a two-sided platform to fulfill something that they felt like their clients need. They, it was an, a need that they uncovered in the process of consulting and delivering their service. So first of all, I love that just in terms of really keeping an eye on what your client's truly need that you might not be providing because to me that's where the next opportunity comes from now not that we should chase every opportunity that comes up but there is as Dave points out there is a kind of a natural evolution of a product so we talk about that a little bit we also talk about some of the trends that he was seeing that led them to experimenting with this platform and what it takes to really keep something staffed like that right so when you think about a something anything that's on demand that's supplied by real human beings you have the problem of matching the demand to the supply so we talk a little bit about what they do to handle that problem we also talk about how they actually execute on it how they pair up a creative director with the editor and how that gets better results than if you were to just hire a run-of-the-mill video editor to work for you part-time so we get into a bunch of stuff this is a great conversation it's all about the challenges of building an on-demand model and uh, we talk a little bit about where they find their people how they work with other agencies and the pitfalls of uh, serving other agencies when they are the client and they have a client who they are serving who is actually the judge of what the results are so we get into a lot of great stuff here so I'm excited for you to uh, to check it out uh, with that being said let's bring in Dave and jump right into the conversation Dave officially welcome to the UX podcast thanks so much for having me excited to be here Cool. So we talked a little bit about your background, but tell me a little bit about just how the, the business is split up, the two different sides of the business that you guys are running right now. Sure. So, so the business split up viral ideas and flexation. So on the viral ideas side of things, we're a video production company focusing on high-end video creation. And on the flexation side, we're an on-demand uh, you know, video editing platform that allows companies and uh, agencies to upload their videos to our platform. And, you know, we have a whole team on the back end where we can act as a back office for editing. Yeah, which that, that's what really caught my, my eye and ear because it's, it's just an interesting new model, I think. Um, almost like you've got like Amazon, what is it, Amazon Turk and some of those different services like that where you can get very small, you know, things that uh, the people are good at and, and machines are not. And video editing is definitely one of those things because there's a, there's a creative element or a judgment call and decision-making element involved even if, um, even if you had automated video editing, it's still not going to be the same as a human being doing it. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you went from consulting, you kind of productized your service on the video creation side of things, right? That's the viral idea side of things. But then you spot this 
other opportunities. So tell me about a little bit about the background of Flixation. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll back up for a minute and kind of give you like the philosophy of how we've gotten here. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we actually, one of our mentors um, coined this term product beat, this guy named Tejas. And uh, we like to think we integrate that into what we do every day. So a product beat is, is a natural evolution of a product. So what that means is, you know, if you think about the iPhone back in the day, it used to be the iPod and then it went to the iPhone. And now it's the app store and the i everything, right? Yeah. So, so the way we look at our evolution is, you know, we started out consulting, right? And we started out consulting for businesses on how to improve their social media. From that, we learned that a lot of businesses could improve their social media from video. So we developed a video production product uh, through viral ideas. And from that, we've learned that businesses and agencies and companies have mounds and mounds of footage, but don't exactly know what to do with it. So from that, you know, we've developed Flixation, which allows companies the ability to upload their footage, agencies upload their footage and edit it. So it's really just been an evolution of that, you know, product from consulting all the way up to productized services where we're at now. Yeah, which, which makes sense. Because to me, if, you, if things are not evolving somewhat, it means you're not really paying attention to the results and whether clients are seeing the results that they're expecting to get from, from working with your agency. So things should evolve uh, over time. Uh, tell me a little, when you say that like businesses and agencies have kind of these mounds of video footage laying around, tell me a little bit, how do they get into that state? What are they going and buying <laughs> that is, ends up not being edited? So, so a lot of it is, um, so, so it's two factors, right? So number one, everyone's got one of these, right? Everyone's got a cell phone um, and they have this, you know, recording device in their pockets. So constantly in, business, in a business environment, footage is being recorded. Um, so we notice that trend, that's number one. So second trend is we notice that companies and agencies and um, um, are, are doing productions themselves, right? Or with, or with an agency and ending up with essentially just a lot more footage than they need for video. Okay. And marry that with the trend of people needing to release more and more content to keep up with the you know, ever-growing internet machine, mm-hmm. you kind of have the need for flexation because they have you know, all of this content that is maybe just kind of loosely not put together mm-hmm. and marry that with the ease and ability to actually record on your own um, gives, gives an incredible opportunity for us to come in and act as a back office for editing. Back office for editing. Okay. And, and you mentioned before we hit record, just that that gives you the ability to do some unique stuff on the staffing side of things. Because I think for any, for any agency owner listening to that going, wow, that, that sounds amazing from the client's point of view. How in the world do you build that from an agency point of view to have something that can stretch and expand and scale up and down with demands? Because you're saying people can essentially log into the platform and get on, you know, on-demand video editing. So there's, there's a should be a fluctuation in demand over time. So how do you deal with that? What's the staffing model? So, so, so we we have staff based all over the world. So we have, we have some staff in the U.S., some in the Philippines, some in Uruguay, um, and we have we have multiple teams that allows us to operate around the clock, twenty four seven. Okay. So uh, actually, twenty four five. We don't we don't really do too much in the <laughs> okay. um, So so it, it basically, you know, what, what we do is we we marry a creative director with with, uh, you know, with, with essentially an editor. So people have that high quality, high impact video creation. And, you know, for an agency, in order to hire a video editor full-time or even part-time, you're gonna have to find that person, staff them, make sure they're reliable, make sure dependable. But with us, they can just kind of go right to our platform whenever they need, you know, within typically, you know, under 20 minutes, get a response from us, you know, from a live person, you know, 
about you know their their project and just talk to someone about it you figure out what they need to do and literally within that day have their project be started and uh and moving so for for, for someone i i think i think back to back up the macro trend is you know people kind of want what they want when they need it but don't want they what they want uh you know when they, or don't want what they don't want when they don't need it yeah that was a messy sentence <laughs> but um but they want it when they want it and they don't want it when they don't want it. So it's, you know, we, we offer that for people. Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses are moving in that direction in terms of their staffing needs model. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to um, Nate Hirsch who runs a platform called free up. I don't know if you know Nate, but they, they hire VA. They're more in the e-commerce space, but it's essentially like a right. virtual assistant or a freelancer hiring platform. Uh, and he pointed out something really, really good. And I, I think he's onto something which is you've got you kind of every freelancer breaks down into like expert mid-level and and basic and it sounds like what you guys have got is the creative director would be that expert and then you've got the editor themselves which would be like the basic person they know the skills but they don't need to be making creative decisions because those decisions are already being made for them by someone that has more of a strategic mind a strategic approach so to me i think that's where it really works is you cut out the middle part and you let the expert and the lower level person who does the implementation, let them work together and produce something that I think will get you a better product than just hiring a run of the mill 15 to $20 an hour video editor that works for you part time. Exactly. Yeah. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. So tell me a little bit about how, how do you see that scaling up? So you guys, you've got your productized service that's running, you've got your on-demand service thing and you see more potential for growth there because these, you know, there's, there's going to be like, more and more video footage out there that's just kind of sitting around. So the demand is there. Um, what's, what's the challenges that you see of scaling like something like that up? Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, for us, the challenge is just, I mean, a couple fronts, right? Like figuring out how we're going to build a staffing model to truly be on demand is kind of yeah. our, our biggest challenge. I mean, when you think about it, like at the high, who's doing it at the, at the high level is Uber, right? You know, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they essentially have to marry, you know, when someone's going to click the button to get a ride with mm-hmm. a driver in the right place at the right time. And they have to manage that supply side and the demand side. Mm-hmm. And truly, if they, if they were truly 100% accurate, they would have a car pulling up right by your house just as, just as you click the button, which, <laughs> which in a way, they, they are getting predictive, right? They, they move drivers around. They show you where it is. Yeah, they've got years of data, yeah. So, so, so on, on our side, you know, we try to figure out you know, how should we staff a schedule so that people can get as close to on demand as possible? So, mm-hmm. so right, right now, right now, our, our company promises that we will get video footage within five days or less, mm-hmm. which compared to, uh, compared to the market is usually twice as fast. Usually the, the market, like if you're working with an average mm-hmm. freelancer, they're hire about, a video editor from scratch. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Usually you're looking at a two week turnaround. So we're, we're half the time, mm-hmm. but we're working on getting that down to like an immediate ability to, you fill out a brief, um, or our team fills out a brief for you, mm-hmm. and then um, that goes to the editor, and you know the editor immediately starts working. So right. that way, you, there's no lag time, and you're not putting the queue as far as waiting. Same thing with Uber; like you're you're in essence, you know, if, if the driver is unavailable, you're putting a queue, and you have to wait mm-hmm. for for that supply to come on come on the market. Yeah. Same thing, same thing with our you know with our service, we have to wait until that supply comes on the market in order to fulfill the demand we have. Okay. So yeah, so that's an interesting challenge. Um, 
but it's, I guess Uber solves that by just being in business for long enough to where you, well, they solve it in a couple of different ways. They've been in business long enough to where they have the data. They also burn through drivers, which you definitely want yes. to avoid if you're staffing video editors. Yes. I think the, uh, I think the Uber, the average Uber driver now, their tenure is like three months. They, I mean, they, they churn and burn Uber drivers. Wow. So there, there's a lot of people that are unhappy, like Uber makes money and then the drivers feel like they're getting the shaft because the, the best way to make sure that the customer has a good experience is to make sure that you're always overstaffed, which then yeah. hurts the staffers. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing to balance because you're dealing with real people that you care about trying to make a living, you know, editing video. Um, tell me a little bit about when you're uh, working with overseas teams, uh, it's really easy to get overseas folks to do things like um, content writing, uh, Photoshop, stuff that's not really bandwidth heavy. Video yeah. editing, uh, super bandwidth heavy. So if you found any certain uh, protocols or maybe certain countries that things have caught up enough to where they have an easier time getting into the flow? Yeah, of course. I mean, Uruguay and Philippines has been great for us, right? So, okay. so we have our team mixed between between both of them. Um, but but I, I, would, I would say kind of our secret sauce in a way is – you know, we find, we find, we're not, definitely not the cheapest out there, right? Which, which means we're not finding the cheapest labor in the market, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do is we try to find, we try to find the person in that city that's already running a successful video business and kind of pull them into our world, right? Oh, interesting. You know, and, and, and we have the ability in, in, in these countries to, to really just transform the revenue side of their business in an incredibly meaningful way. So back to what you said about kind of churning and burning drivers yeah. um, for Uber, we actually do the opposite. So we retain editors in a uh -huh. really, really meaningful way, which is incredibly valuable to our clients, right? To, to be able to have a consistent editor for their projects because we're able to, number one, provide them a financial opportunity that they would not have working within their country mm -hmm. and also provide them a financial opportunity, you know, or, or provide them a work opportunity that's, you know, operating at a higher level than they're currently operating at. So they both get job satisfaction and they get hmm. uh, an increase in revenue. So, um, but, but we do that by finding literally what we think is the best talent in the country. So, mm -hmm. um, and you know, it costs us and our clients more, but it's worth it. So. Yeah. Which, which in, in something like a creative space like that, that would make sense. Um, yeah, I'm in a I'm in a little bit different position because so much of what we do is more systematized, and so we're looking for more of the emerging talent, and we're trying to catch people that have the potential to be really good before yeah. they prove that they're really good, and we give them the chance to prove it. And because our like everything for my business is all recurring revenue, so for me the financial opportunity for them is a little bit different. It's not necessarily it's not that we pay, although we do pay more than they would if they're working. Um, for local clients or whatever, because they're, you know, obviously we're charging US rates and then we're able to pass some yeah. of that on to them. But we're not we're not paying super high uh, from their perspective, but our revenue is super consistent. So for them, right. it's like, okay, this is like my financial security base. And then I can do like these projects on top of it that allow me to fluctuate and get my creative juices flowing, knowing that they have this stable base of what they do for us that kind of yeah. forms, you know, so a lot of our freelancers work like you know, 20 to 30 hours a week. And then they'll take a couple of other clients on top of that that are project based. Right. So yeah, so I think there's a there's an interesting there, it just depends on what it's, it's interesting just how much your business model directly affects how you compete for talent yeah. and who you get. Yeah, and it's definitely I definitely think we play in like a different models, right? Like our model mm -hmm. is more of, you know, the people that work with us are basically full time with us. 
fast, right? Like they're are they? Yes. So so, yeah. so they you know once they once they kind of get pulled into our fold, mm-hmm. they're pretty much working for us, right? They, <laughs> there's not too much time else for them to work on other stuff they want to. Yeah. I'm sure. Which is good. It means but, you've got great demand on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk real quick about um, working as a sub for other agencies. And, yeah. and I don't know if that, you know, it, it sounds like you've done a little bit of that on both sides, so the creative side as well as the on-demand side. What's your experience been and, and what do you wish was uh, maybe a little bit different when you go to work for another agency? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, we're, we do a lot of work with other agencies. So, I mean, just today we're running 10 projects for other agencies, just you know, all, all kind of in the same time. And I would say, I would say like the biggest advice I have like for agencies and, and subs interacting is just having an open dialogue about what you want from the relationship. So I, I think the relationships fail when, you know, an agency kind of wants you to be one white label, but they don't tell you or they want you to like, you know, or they want you to be their hidden underground resource, but they like, they like kind of, keep that on the download it's better it's better to get it out all out there in the open okay. or maybe some agencies just want to learn the skill to bring it in house and it's like totally fine with us like just tell us up front and we'll teach you the skill so like hmm. so it's kind of like like that open dialogue of like understanding a- the agency's needs and our needs as a sub allows for a relationship that works well mm-hmm. where i don't see it working well is kind of when the when the agency tries to like throw its weight around and squash down the sub so we've seen that happen before where they're like, they're, and I, we realize it, like the clients are super demanding and they want yeah. something tomorrow, but it, there's sometimes like a lack of agency organization in a lot of agencies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having worked with, you know, a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. they'll kind of need stuff now and they need it right this second, mm-hmm. but it creates a very, and, and, then, and then they don't want to pay a rush fee. They don't want to pay this. They just want to like yeah. a free pass because they're an agency that gives a lot of work. Uh, but it doesn't always work out like that for us as a sub. So, you know, we, we kind of like to like to just have an honest relationship with whoever it is, okay. um, and kind of kind of get the work done. So it's it's really two sided. It's not just you're giving you're not just giving money to someone. You're giving money to someone to produce something for your clients. So it's really the customer's customer that we're yes. serving. On at the end of the day, we're serving you, but we're serving your customer. So you yeah, have exactly. to have a really strong dialogue about that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I remember there was a funny moment when the old agency I was working for, the, the CEO, had just come off of a meeting with a, with a big shot video agency here in San Diego that he had hired. And granted, like the, one of the partners ended up being good friends. Uh, they're all good dudes, but you know, there's like six partners running a video production agency. So needless to say, there was a little lack of organization. I remember him just yeah. coming off of that call, just marveling. <laughs> just how yeah. he's like, he's like, basically, I have to run the calls because they can't run the calls. It's, it's funny just how, because I, I come from, uh, I was very fortunate to come from an agency that was not like that at all. It was very well run internally. Yeah. It's a beautifully run business. And I've tried to model mine after that as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, when you get into working with other, especially agencies that are run by very creative people, they tend to be very disorganized and that trickles down to the whole agency and it just makes them tough to deal with. So that makes sense. But, but, but besides that, like a really run agency, like is a very valuable resource for any client. Like, yeah. like if, if, but, but the ones that kind of are a little messy, it can get, it can get a little hairy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So let's take a step back. Tell people uh, where do they get connected? Where do they learn more about both sides of the business and, and just connect with you personally? So I'll, I'll give you guys a couple of links. So our, our website for more of the creative side of the business, the high, kind of the high white glove service is viral ideas. 
Uh, so our website's viralideasmarketing.com uh, for Flixation for the on-demand video editing platform. It's flixation.co. Uh, you can reach out to me there or just, you know, search for me on any of the social channels. I'm pretty, you know, relatively easy out to there find. with, relatively <laughs> easy to find on the internet. <laughs> for right, better or worse. For better or worse. All right, well, let's finish up with this. Um, so you've got a partner uh, yeah. in the business. He, he handles uh, kind of the client communication operations. I've got a similar division in my agency. Tell me a little bit about what, you know, take me back to like when you guys were initially working out the relationship. It's the early days of the agency. You start kind of feeling out who's, who's got what strengths and weaknesses. Tell me a little bit about what you felt like were your kind of rare and unique abilities that ended up in the division of labor you guys have. Uh, and when did those start to really become clear like what you should be focusing on versus what your partner and other staff was, was focusing on it, it, it's funny you ask this question because zach and i zach being my business partner just just did a whole podcast on what it means to have a good business partnership mm -hmm. so we've been business partners for about four and a half years now um and we also are housemates so we <laughs> so, so, so we both live together we and spend work a lot together. of time together so we spend, okay. spend a lot of time together um so so we actually view it as um not too different than you know, you know, the relationship you would have with a girlfriend, right? So we, we kind of view it as just a, a relationship in that. So when we first started, we only started working on projects together in a very non-committal way. So we were basically, we were basically not exclusively dating before we got married. <laughs> so, so, so basically we, we, you know, we got a couple contracts. I originally was the person who sold them. Uh, and I cut that, I cut Zach into the deals to start out. Okay. And we eventually, uh, took a trip together and at the end of that trip we realized that we got actually a couple of clients on that trip at the end of the trip we realized like hey I think we have a business here so we put together a business plan got incorporated and um, the division of labor has always been me selling Zach working with the clients and doing new product development hmm. um, we both crossed that line for strategy so it's like okay. who will input strategy on sales I'll input strategy on you know how we should deal with clients in certain ways mm -hmm. Because my, my skill is really people and communication and kind of I'm an incredibly intuitive person. Mm -hmm. um, and his skill is more on the product side, figuring out like, you know, he can, he can look at a market and see where a product is going to fit into that market. Mm -hmm. So, so we, bo we both marry that skill together of kind of understanding the needs of people and understanding the needs of people in relation to a product or a service and put mm -hmm. that together in, in creating what we create. So. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It, yeah. We, we, we keep it pretty separated though. So like, you know, yeah. I know he's good at what he does. He knows I'm good at what I do and we just kind of, we plug and chug and, and keep going through it. So, yeah. Yeah. I there's a lot of things I like about that story, but the, I, I see a lot of people jump into partnerships very, very quickly. And I was, I was yeah. fortunate to not. Um, and, uh, you know, anytime I see people really rushing that relationship, I would tell them to do exactly what you guys did. Like just, just do a couple of projects together, no commitments, cut each other in, do a rev share, whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, make sure that there's the incentives are lined up. But uh, I think a lot of people look outside themselves for shortcuts and for skills that they probably just need to develop in themselves rather than getting a partner. And they think it's going to get them a, a result faster by having another person involved. It's one thing to do it for the fun of it because you just enjoy that person. You feel like, hey, we fit really well together and together we make a really great CEO or something like that. Yeah. But to do it, you know, I think a lot of people do partnerships for the wrong reasons uh, to try to get somewhere faster and then realize that really you just needed that person for maybe a three-month project 
and then you could have just moved on and been much happier owning your own agency. But it uh, sounds like it's worked really well for you guys just because your skill sets seem very, very complimentary. Exactly. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, awesome, man. Well, I wish you luck in everything, uh, especially with the on-demand model. That's super interesting. Um, it's something that I've been uh, just keeping my eye on. I always, I'm always curious about like new and interesting business models in the agency world. Yeah. Uh, and I love the approach of just basically just starting with like, hey, what's working best for the clients? What do they need? And then let's figure out if we can give it to them. So I love that approach. Um, and hopefully people will check you out and check out Flexation. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Hey, Rockstars, thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you, so please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using you know, guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work, uh, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space, and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in this space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them too, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.